just want to reiterate again, I know this, this, is, this is weighty. I understand the weightiness of, of what I'm saying and what God is saying. So once again, think like, wow, this is for us. This is possible. God wants me to be so one with him that from that place, everything will flow. I'm no longer trying. I just am. I'm no longer trying to muster up uh, passion for prayer. I do. I no longer have to muster up passion for, for reading the word. It is. Why? Because of my relationship with God, I'm no longer trying. Weakness is the pathway to strength. So there must be a letting go of my strength, and, a just, and I have to let go of my strength all the time, don't I? And a continuous receiving. Only then am I strong. Okay? So um, I'm going to start with another joke, just to lighten the load of it, okay? Oh, come on. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> It said, even God enjoys a good laugh. <laughs> but then there were three equally good arguments that Jesus was Jewish. He went to his father's business. He lived at home until he was 33. He was sure his mother was a virgin, and his mother was sure he was God. Then there were three equally good arguments that Jesus was Italian. He talked with his hands. It might be Italian. He had wine with his meals, and he used olive oil. But then there were three equally good arguments that Jesus was a Californian. He never cut his hair. He walked around barefoot all the time, and he started a new religion. Then there were three equally good arguments that Jesus was an American Indian. He was at peace with nature. He ate a lot of fish. He talked about the great spirit. But then there were three equally good arguments that Jesus was Irish. He never got married. He was always telling stories, and he loved green pastures. But the most compelling evidence of all, three proofs that Jesus was a woman. He fed a crowd at a moment's notice where there was no food. He kept trying to get a message across at a bunch of men who just didn't get it. <laughs> and even when he was dead, he had to get up because there was work to do. <laughs> there you go, 2-1. <laughs> so session two, the roles and responsibilities of the male and the female inside this marriage covenant. So I'm going to read all of Ephesians 5. Uh, 22 to 33. And there's um, so much in this passage for us to pull apart. We're going to take it line by line. Um, marriage like Christ in the church. So Ephesians 5:22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's really important. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the saviour of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Verse 28. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. 
For this reason, I, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, less, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. So roles and responsibilities that God gives the male and the female. Okay, the first one, I'm just going to start with the scripture 22. So this is directed at you ladies. The first role and responsibility for the woman to be subject to her own husband as to the Lord. Be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. There's some key words in these, subject, own, the Lord. Okay, the word subject, submission, you'll see some versions of it means right alignment. To come under, obey. So think of it as a right alignment. Danny, just come up here for a minute. I'm going to show you, demonstrate what a right alignment looks like. Okay, It doesn't look like this. Step back. That's not right alignment. Okay, step forward. That's not right alignment. Okay, right alignment is that. That's the position in the marriage covenant between us. But there is a sequencing pattern. Thanks, babe. In the spirit that God has given, He says, in that right alignment, side by side, co-airing. Jesus is looking for a co-air. There is a sequencing authority and pattern. There is a head over. It's not both are heads, is it? There is a head. But the head governs from love. Not law, love. Now, if you take this right alignment, okay, add Christ. Right alignment. But can you see in the spirit the sequencing pattern of authority? They are different. I am not Christ. Danielle is not Christ. Christ in us is the hope of glory, though. So I hope you can see right alignment is not one back, the other one behind. It's side by side, but there is in the Spirit a way in which that operates, and that's what we must have revelation for. Otherwise, you read that through your flesh and go, I'm the head. Submit to me. Because it says in everything. You take the word the Logos, not the Rema, and then you start cutting people with it. Moment Steve's prophecy, the handle was love of the sword. It's a double-edged sword, truth, righteousness, and love. Okay, So we must be able to see this in the Spirit to understand how this will work. Otherwise, you'll have World War III. You'll have people trying to do roles they're not destined to do. You'll have people taking stuff, and when they smell it and get a griff it, they go, you ain't getting that back. This is the challenge in the marriage covenant because men are the head, and with the head, they need to lead. Women, you're not the head, and you're not called to lead as the primary. You will lead, but you're not called to lead as the primary. When I speak here primary and secondary, there are definitive wiring DNA God has put in us. I saw this beautifully. I said this before with Madeline when she got, uh, when she was hurt. Danny and I are at home, 
and I'm the first one on the scene, but she runs right past me and runs to mum. Why? Because mum's nature, the woman is a nurturer. She's a comforter. That's the heart of God in the woman. Does that mean I'm not? No, I am, but it's primary in a woman. That same night, there's a nightmare. Who's she screaming for? Dad. So dad's the first one on the scene because she screams dad, and I'm protector, provider, covering. That's, you don't teach that stuff. It's there. So we need to be able to see what's there in the spirit, not define what it looks like because we read words. Make sense, eh? Okay. So the key words in this verse, okay, there are three, but as to the Lord, okay, as to the Lord, be subject to your own husband as you are to the Lord, ladies. How subject are you to God? How submissive are you to God? Because you'll only be as subject to your husband as you are to the Lord. If we're not under authority as a lady under God, you won't be under the authority of your husband. Not kingdom authority, spiritual authority. You'll balk. I'm not listening to you. Don't tell me what to do. I hope that's not us. Same whether you're not married or not, okay? So what's your authority like under the Lord as a single person? Because if you're thinking about getting married, as you are to the Lord, that's how you come into your marriage covenant with a, another person. Make sense, eh? To walk in godly alignment, that's in the notes, to walk in godly alignment with one's husband, one must walk in godly alignment with God. Everything ultimately is about our own relationship with God. And out of it, Everything flows. No God. Primary purpose of God. To walk in godly alignment with one's husband, one must walk in godly alignment with God. Notice how it says your own husband. We are not to subject ourselves to someone else's husband. Ladies, if our husband isn't fulfilling his role and responsibility in the marriage covenant, we don't go looking for someone else's husband to play the spiritual role in our lives. That's how we get in trouble. We're not getting it at home. That man, he's a man of God. Let's all go follow the man of God. And oh, now all of a sudden we're in problem land. Which is men. We need to stand up, don't we? If we're not being, how many people want their wives to go looking somewhere else? You don't love your neighbor as yourself is not that, is it? <laughs> but I'm loving my neighbor. And my neighbor's anybody. <clears throat> your own husband. The Lord himself is to play this role in part while our husband is hopefully getting up to speed. And even if he never does, the Lord is to play this part, not someone else's husband. So like I said before, I have a personal accountable relationship before the Lord to play my part in everything, not just my marriage covenant and being the leader of this place. I have an individual part to play that only I am in really control of. So in my marriage, even if Danielle or the other way around doesn't fulfill her part, I still will. Why? Because of my relationship with God. There's no excuse. Oh, well, he's not, so I'm not. Wrong answer. He is because I am because you did. There's your right answer. 
Okay? Because of why? Because he's my husband. Married unto him firstly, then unto this man. Okay? So let's have a look at 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 to 6. Godly living, it's titled. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Walk in alignment, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives. Not their moaning, not their antagonizing, not their you lazy so-and-so get off the couch and start doing what God's asked you to do. No, but by their behavior. Wisdom is vindicated by her behavior. And in the behavior, a man would see something and go, wow. And out of that, get motivated to be the man he's called to be. So if we have a husband like that, are we praying for him? Are we encouraging him? Are we believing, hoping? Are we patient, kind, and gentle? Or are we just nagging and uh, just giving him a hard time? Where do we spend more of our time? Fulfilling our part in the marriage covenant or bagging someone else because they're not? We're all going to be held accountable. And on that day, I won't be able to go, well, you know what? Danielle never played her part, Lord, so I didn't play mine. Eh, wrong answer, contestant number four. Because <laughs> why? Because it was never primarily about your marriage to Danielle. It was about your marriage with me. And whether you ever got married or not was irrelevant, but if you were married, you understood the purpose for marriage, so you participated in it. No excuses before the Lord, eh? Oh, but I'm married. I got a tractor. Did this, did this. Eh, wrong answer. Contestant number four again. Mm. Okay, so the first role and responsibility for the man. Okay, here we go, men. Now, we have more than they do. Guys, it's five to three. Men were created first for a reason. So it makes sense that we have more roles and responsibility than the women do. The first role and responsibility for the man, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is head of the church. The husband is head of the wife as Christ also is head of the church. Now once again, the key words in verse 23 are as Christ also is the head of his church. Men, are we a head like he is to us? So if you were to remove me and put God literally in, would he govern like, would I govern like he governs? See, he's saying I'm the head of my people and you're to be the head that's like me. Ooh. Conformed into the image of the Son is the secondary primary purpose of God. Why? So you can govern, be a good head. So men, if we're married, thinking about getting married, what type of head are we going to be like? Because it says, as Christ is the head of the church. So he's our example, guys, to look to as the head of his body. So I am the head of Danielle. What type of head am I? You would have to ask her if you want an honest response. You ask me, I'll tell you I'm amazing. <laughs> I'm the best head. She got a good cat when she got me. I'll boost my ego. 
she might agree <laughs> or she might say something completely different. And you could say, well, what type of head was he when you're married and what type of head is he now? Have you seen any difference in his headship? Does he look more like Christ now than what he was when you married him? Because this is a growth of maturity, isn't it? So we all should be changing. So I should be a better head now than what I was 16 years ago. I would hope that the revelation that I've got of the word in me has created better headship, that I've come to love her more than what I did when I married her, but not through my human love, through the love of the Father, which is enlarged in me. So if you want to ask her afterwards, feel free. So in your notes, the head loves. The head loves. The head governs. So when I say head, I'm meaning Jesus and us. So Jesus loves, Jesus governs. We're to love, we're to govern. The head obeys. Jesus obeyed his father. And as a head, am I obeying my father? Okay, so these are no different. They are the here, him and us, guys. The head prays. The head leads. The head covers. The head believes. The head hopes. The head endures. The head bears all things. The head protects. The head provides. Now we can be a head purely in a physical sense, can't we? We can provide, but not be a head spiritually that provides. We can be a head that protects physically, but not be a head that protects spiritually. We can be all those things in the physical. That's what non-Christians live out. They live out a physical reality, or they're called to, that a man would be the head of his home physically and do those things, love, obey, pray, well, not, maybe not pray, but pray with something else, lead, cover, but it's physical and where to be that in the spirit and the physical but the spirit defines what the physical looks like sometimes loving isn't making it all right sometimes loving is allowing your wife to go through something it's not trying to fix it men it's allowing her to go through the breaking of what God's doing in her heart and you come around her and support and walk with her as God builds her and once again, that's not just in that relationship. That can be in every relationship. So once again, don't just think husband and wife. Think bigger than that. Think your discipleship groups. Think walking with 500 people here. It's all the same process. It's all the same way. Don't box it all. Think of it as one flowing way through every relationship you're in. Okay, A wife, in the notes, without an active head, once again, this isn't to bring condemnation but conviction. A wife without an active head is not only missing out on the beauty of spiritual oneness with her husband,
A wife without an active head, spiritually I mean, is not only missing out on the beauty of spiritual oneness with her husband, but she is also being left exposed and uncovered to the influence of her own flesh and the schemes of the enemy. Now what I'm not saying, okay, I'm not saying that a woman doesn't have her own identity. I'm not saying she doesn't have her own authority. I'm not saying she doesn't know God in which she can actually grow and mature. But the design is also, it's always an and, both. Danielle, I'll tell you in our relationship, there's things that have come out of both of us. And let's say, I'll use in the context of the headship, that her flesh has come out and I've said, no, that's not right. And you could say, yeah, but she's the Lord's and she's the Lord's and Lord's, God will correct her, but no, he didn't correct her. He says, Greg, will you correct her in love? Will you teach her in love? Will you rebuke her in love? Isn't that what he says in the body of Christ? And it's because that, either that attitude or that mindset isn't kingdom. It's not a kingdom thing. So how is she going to be corrected unless you step into that realm and help your wife because you love your wife because what's coming out is her flesh, her way of thinking. You know what I've heard people say? Oh, we're way too close for that. Meaning, we're way too close, that might break us up. Have you heard people say that? I'm too close for that relationship to speak the truth and love. Why? Because you're in fear of something. You're in fear of the breakup. But if you truly love, love covers even if something did break up. Love is compelled to go because they see someone else who's not necessarily in truth and they want that person in truth. So we're never close enough. That's the whole point, spiritual oneness, close. What better person to correct than my wife or my wife correcting me? You see the difference? That's the point of the closeness because you know one another. And so that enables because from the beginning you understand the purpose of the marriage covenant. So you welcome the correction. You welcome in the teaching in love and respect and gentleness. It's not this, well, we're too close. We can't correct each other. Let someone else do it. No, that's not being ahead. That's letting another husband or another man correct your wife when you're the one that should be correcting that. So what type of head are we? Because ultimately, in that scenario, that's a mindset that's not kingdom, which is having an outworking, isn't it? So then the challenge for us as ladies is how humble are you to be corrected? Don't tell me what to do. I saw what you did last week, blah, 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 blah. Mate of two as well. So what? Get over it. Let him be what he's trying to be. Now, guys, you need to know the law because you can do it out of your flesh and blow it all wrong. You can do it from the spirit and do it well. You still might get your head bitten off, but God's looking going, well done. You're trying to be ahead. It's a challenge, isn't it? We don't want our wives uncovered, guys. The schemes of the enemy. He comes in. You're a protector, a provider. First. No, this is not happening here in our home. This is not coming in this house. Well, we need to know him if we're going to be this. 
not much point you being down the pub when it's going on, having another beer. Should be right, Jack. No, it won't be right. The enemy's ripping apart your family. I remember when God started showing me all this stuff and I started preaching it, all hell broke loose in our home, literally demonic presence in our room that I touched. Then the week later, Madeline is screaming black bats are trying to rip out my heart, Dad. We had demonic influence for about four weeks. Well, if I'm not ahead, he's having a field day. He said, Greg, if I can't get to you, I'm getting to those closest to you. You feel a bit helpless, eh, when it's not you now, but no, authority. Know who you are, son. Be the head. Speak to it. So important, guys, that we know we're ahead and we're a covering. Doesn't make us God. Doesn't replace God. God ultimately is still the coverer, but are we playing our role? Are we playing our responsibility? Because our wives are to be covered. 1 Timothy 2, 13 to 14. For it was Adam who was who was first created, and then Eve, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Why does God want that written in Timothy? Was Adam lacking in headship, covering? Wasn't Adam that was deceived? spiritually, the enemy will come to the weaker vessel. I'm not saying women are weak, but they are weaker vessels. Can you hear what I'm saying? There is a design. The world will say you, it's all one. Everyone can do what everyone else can do wrong. There is a beautiful design in the sense of, once again, of primary, primary, primary. Physically, I'm different. Physically, I could take Danielle out with one hit, couldn't I? With were one hit, she may if she hits me in the right place, but you can hear what I'm saying. I can pin her down physically and just keep her there. There is a design. She has, as a woman, other things that I'm not, you know. Can you hear what I'm trying to say? It's quite hard to explain because you can hear, are you a fascist? Are you a man? Right? No, no, I'm not. I'm trying to explain biblical kingdom truth, that yes, there are similarities, and yes, you know, we can nurture and cover, but there is a design. And so the Bible says that the woman is a weaker vessel than the man. What is he trying to say? He's not saying you're pathetic. He's not saying, he, what is he actually trying to communicate to us? And we need to understand this as heads because then we step into our role, but as a role of love, it lifts up. It doesn't pull down. It doesn't lord it over. The role of a head is to lift up. My dad modeled this to me beautifully, and he wasn't even a Christian. He lifted my mum up, and which gave us a view, a healthy view of women and respecting a woman. Because my dad, as a non-Christian, modeled headship from a physical. So questions for us, men, what type of head are we? Are we like our own head, meaning Christ? Are we subject to the head of the church and from this place model godly headship? And do we govern as Christ governs? Okay, so those are just questions for us to ponder and think about. Second role and responsibility for both the husband and the wife. So this is number two for both. Subjection to the Lord. Verse 24. It says this, But as the church is subject to Christ, 
so also the wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. The church is everybody. So as the church is subject to Christ, so both our roles and responsibility is to be subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. Now once again, this does not mean the man literally does every single thing, you know. Gifting strengths. If the woman is good with money, let her do the money. If the husband's good with this, let him do that. But ultimately, there's a covering spiritually that together you work out. Okay? It's not saying women are useless. No, it's not. But as a whole, as one, because remember, you're one, aren't you? You're a partnership. You're in right alignment. But once again, in that alignment, there is still a sequencing order. Man came first, woman came second. Then they went back in being one. First apostle, second prophet, third teacher. Okay? Can you hear what I'm trying to communicate to you? It's in everything. There is a massive theme in your notes, so under verse 24, there is a massive theme of subjection or right alignment there is a massive theme, principle, however you want to call it, of subjection or right alignment in this marriage covenant between a husband and a wife. What underpins this right alignment is both the husband's and wife's subjection to the Lord himself. So there is a massive theme, massive principle of subjection or right alignment in this marriage covenant between a husband and a wife. What underpins this right alignment is both the husband and wife's subjection to the Lord himself. God expects wives to, be sub, to subject themselves to their husbands and himself. So it's both. And you could, maybe I should have put that round the other way around. So it's himself and their husbands. And he expects husbands to subject themselves to himself. This is called correct alignment or the way. Which is such a beautiful, perfect design. Everyone has to be in process. Doesn't work to the fulfillment if everyone's not in process. So it causes much for us. And as guys, I said, we are first, so we must model the way. It is on us to model the way. Ladies, that doesn't mean if we're not modeling the way, you're not to model the way. But as the head, as Adam is first, we are to be the representation. So the third role and responsibility for the husband is to love his wife as Jesus loves the church. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love our wife, our wife as Jesus loves the church. As we know, this isn't a human love. So I'm not talking about loving from a physical love. This is not natural, it's not sexual, but it's a love that the Father loves called agape love. 1 Corinthians 13, which is in your notes, it's a love that's patient. So once again, we can't love like that unless we're in the relationship, the primary purpose of knowing God. 
you'll be found out. There'll be an emptiness. When it's required, you'll be found out. Loving your neighbor, your wife as yourself, is not murdering her. It's not committing adultery. It's not stealing from her. Hear the Ten Commandments? Loving a neighbor is not doing the things that maybe we might be doing. So I'm found out because I haven't got this love in me. I've only believed or said yes to something, not received it. So the love of God, the Bible says in Romans, is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, Romans 5.5. 5. The love of the Father, he wants us to receive. Why? So then we can love as God loves. So this is a tall order. This is weighty. This requires relationship, primary purpose, relationship, the knowledge. Then I just don't love my wife. I love everybody else with the love of the Father. See how it flows. So from my one-on-one, -on -one, it goes to my one-on-one -on -one and my one-on-two, then my kids, then a discipleship group, then the body of Christ, then the world. So if the ultimate expression of knowing God is love, and we track this, what do you think the church looks like? What do you think my marriage looks like? Remember, both people are going to be in this. So what does a marriage look like where they both love with heaven's love? What has God's love done for you? Think about it. What do you think it's going to do for someone else? So you track this right the way through to a lost world. And the lost world see love. So the question is, do a lost world see love from the people of God as a whole? Because they are what? In relationship with the Father, primary purpose. So by the time we get to the lost world, what they're seeing is love demonstrated. Not our human love. Not just running around giving cookies, which can be nice, but if it's not motivated from a love that's tangible, present, they feel, they touch, they smell. The manifestation of Christ, 1 John 1. He, I saw him, I touched him, I manifested in front of me. Then we've got our operating system wrong. And Jesus said the greatest evangelical strategy is the church would be known for love because then they are one. And they would know. You think of the church manifest Christ. What happened when Christ manifested to you? You got saved. You said, take me. Well, that will happen. So God's waiting for a church to be in love, which means you have to receive love to be able to love another person with the love of heaven. Simple way. Eh? Why do you think the great commandment is the great commandment? You can't love another if you don't love God. And it's not one way. It's two way. We've preached one way for too long. God loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. Do you love him back? Relationship is two way. It's not one way. It's two-way. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, for I love you. Before you ever were, I loved you. I had to put my love in you. What a love is this. So we can't love our wives, guys, if we haven't received the love ourselves. Not religious ceremony, relational connection. Not religious practice, relational connection. Not because mom and dad brought me up in it, relational connection. Okay? 1 John 4, 15. should be in your notes once again. Powerful passage. 1 John 4, 15 says this. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Beautiful. Step number one. Step number two. We have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. So you've got to come to know it. Not know about it. 
genuinely know it, experience it. So whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So how is that abiding getting on? Because the first fruit of abiding is what? Love. So you can't just go, well, I abide in God, God abides in me and not have love coming out of you. There's another step. It's called step two. It's called we have come to know. We've come to experience that word gnosko. We've come to have a transformational reality of love that set me free. Truth comes to set me free, so the fruit of the vine is coming out of me. That's how I love my wife, which God has for us. Okay, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. It's an absolute statement, isn't it? Which is to bring us to a sense of reverence. To go, you're declaring a reality for me. And I may not be in it today. And that's okay, God, because I know you love me. And I know that my behavior isn't determined by your love. But Father, I'm not in this reality and I can admit it because I know you love me. And I know there is no condemnation in you. Yes, there is conviction, Father. So today I want to know this mystery that I do not yet know. I'm hungry to know what is being said in your word because this man, John, knew of it, for he wrote it. So he wrote it down that I would know it. God, I thank you that there's no condemnation. I thank you there's no lack. I thank you. I'm a child growing up in your house. So God, I turn to you today and I ask and seek and knock until that, becomes my reality i'm going to wait on the lord i'm going to put other things aside i'm going to discipline myself and put all those things aside and i'm going to turn until that becomes mine by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is so also we are in this world wow that grabs me man perfected so as Jesus was, we are. Not I am, we are. Once again, if I'm in this process, I'm loving Danielle with the love of heaven. Danielle is the recipient and my children and you and everyone else I come into contact are the recipient of heaven's love. And it's not determined by personal relationship, is it? Nothing to do with personal connection. I'm able to love all of you, and I don't even know this chap, and I don't know, and I'm able to love because it's not determined by personal connection. It's determined by spiritual connection. So then when I go into all the world to make disciples, what am I going with? Christ in me, the hope of glory, love. So what do people see? When they bag you, love. When they offend you, love. When they persecute you, love. When they say horrible things about you, love. Is that what they see? Because the word has done its work. See, it's more than just being covered by love. It's having love in you. Jesus said, you guys polish the outside of the cup, but the inside needs work. He said, how great is the darkness, the light within you if it's dark? We're the light of the world. Then live as the light of the world. We've come to know. We've come to know. And I hope we're coming to know, guys. I really do. Because there is a powerful reality.
just under 1 John 4. The loving of our wife creates in our wife's so the loving of our wife creates in our wife's and our own heart a humility, vulnerability. Have, have I, I might have reworded it, have I? So, okay, just write this down because I may have changed this in something Rochelle gave me that I may have got wrong. So the loving of our wife creates in our wife's I should put, and my own heart, but because I'm talking to men, okay, our guys, own heart, a humility, vulnerability, and openness to receive God's word. So the loving of Danielle, I'll put it in my context, creates in Danielle and my heart a humility, vulnerability, and openness to receive God's word. It works both ways. How cool is that? Receive God's word. Not try and understand it in my head. Understanding starts in my spirit. The outcome of this way of love operating, the outcome of this way of love operating is that he might sanctify the church in his word. So I'm going to read verse 25, 26, 27. It says this in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her. It's funny, isn't it? He might. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless in your notes so that he might sanctify her. So that he might sanctify her, meaning the church. Where there is no subjecting of one or of ourself, There is no sanctifying, no cleansing by the washing of the word. Where there is no submission or subjecting of oneself, there is no sanctifying, no cleansing by the washing of the word. Underneath that, the marriage covenant between God and his church and a man and a woman is a partnership where both parties must demonstrate love and submission. Why? Why is it critical that both parties model love and submission? So there may no be love and submission in Danielle's marriage, but what about me and the Lord? Is there love and submission? He says, Greg, I promise to love you while you surrender to me. 
then you'll have life. If you don't surrender to me, you will have no life. There'll be no transformational work because you're still living. So surrender is essential with me and God. Well, then surrender is essential in my marriage covenant. So is love. Love first. God says love is first. The power of God has you on your knees surrendering. The love of God, have it all. I'm completely surrendered. See, we need to be surrendered before we're committed. Too many people are committed to Christ, they're just not surrendered to Christ. So they're not in the life of Christ. We're running around, I'm going to take the world, I'm going to do this, but I've got no real life in me, eternal life, love, joy, peace, that the Bible promises, because I'm not surrendered. Jesus said, deny self before you pick up your cross. How are you getting on with that? Well, what does that look like now in my marriage? What does that look like in the roles and responsibilities of Greg, you're called to love, Danielle, you're called to submit. Then you will have life. If that's not operating, don't expect life if you're not operating from the operating system. Why do we? Why do we do it our way and expect his fruit? It never works, but why do we expect it? Then why do we do the same thing over and over and over and over expecting a different result? Because we haven't yet surrendered to the way because we don't know the way because we can't see the way. So God says, come and sit with me in relationships so I can show you my ways, son, because your ways are not my ways, and I must reveal my ways in you and to you. Then you're able to live out my ways. Then you will have the life of my ways. In your notes, it says that he might present to himself the church in all her glory. Having no spot or wrinkle, any such thing, that she would be holy and blameless. The Bible is completely clear. Personally, I believe that not everyone will be the church and not everyone will be at the wedding feast. It's very clear that we must be obedient would you agree? So God rewards based on obedience, correct? Not on his love. His love is a free gift that you get as a gift. The reward is based on our obedience. You have to understand they are not the same thing. The church has confused them and said, well, God loves me and I don't really have to do anything and I'm going to get everything eh, wrong. Read the Bible. It's not what the Bible... I believe scripture is so clear on that. Ten virgins, five in, five out. Three guys got given gifts, two in, two, one out. It's crystal. Paul said, I press on for the reward. I don't want to disqualify myself through my own living because the reward is earned. It's not given as a gift. So he might, the might comes down to our choices, isn't it? Just like God doesn't send people to hell, they choose to go to hell because they reject God. If you reject God's way, you're rejecting the reprise. We go, oh, that's them, this is us. Wrong. You hear what I'm saying? It's God's way or no way. That doesn't mean he doesn't love you. He, you're a child, but like any child in a home, 
If Maddie doesn't do it our way, she doesn't get rewarded. There's a surrender. There's a submission of wills, correct? Whose will are you doing? His or yours? So there is a consequence of doing your will, not based on love, based on reward. So he might, he might, he might, if you're in partnership with him, perform the work that he promises. He who believes in me from the scriptures will have an innermost being where rivers of living water come out. Matthew 15, the woman said, I know who you are. I know I'm a scumbag. I know everything about this is against me, but I see in the spirit, react in the spirit, and I'm speaking in a way that everyone else has no idea about because of what I'm seeing, and then I get the reward for my daughter. John 4 is the woman at the well who has no concept of Jesus, no reality. She knows a little bit of history information but she's got no idea who's in front of her since he says if you knew who it was who was in front of you you would ask what's the difference this woman is not asking she's telling this woman hasn't got a clue so she's not even asking but Jesus engages with both but this woman she's the first one in the interaction this woman Jesus is the first one in the interaction see his heart for you in your blindness, he comes and says, hey, do you want to know? What? Do you want to know the mysteries? Because I want to train you. I want to build you. I want to build my church so the gates of Hades will not overpower her. I want you to be at the wedding with me. I've come. I've sent my son. He's born. It rose again that I would marry you. And then the choice is ours. Who also was commissioned to present the church in this way? What was the very first scripture I read in session one? I know you've had a lot of things. Who else was given the commission to present the church? Paul. His commission, he was sent to the church. To the, to the Israelites, to the kingdom, to kings, with a message. How will they hear unless one is sent? Sent. Do you know who's been sent to you? Do you know who the sent ones are? Because they've been sent with a purpose to bring a reality for you. Are you aware? These are all our challenges. Just under the notes, what we are as individuals will be as a church. What we are as individuals, we will be as a church. What we are as married couples, we will be as a church. Love and submission is the way of every relationship in the body of Christ. Every relationship. Love and submission is the way of every relationship in the body of Christ. It is the way that leads us into the truth, which births Christ's life in and through us. 
interesting how we have trouble submitting, isn't it? Leadership. So when I say every way, I mean every way. It's like there's an eldership in place that God has put. How submitted are you to the eldership? How submitted are you to what's coming forth? If I was to come and ask you to come to something because God said we to be there, what would you be saying? Greg or God, would you submit? I had this really good conversation with Siri the other week about this. What does it look like to come under authority to submit? So if the eldership of the house that God has put in place as the head to cover the house, I'm not talking individually, I'm talking about house, and they are saying God has asked us to do this, and you're going, so what? What does that mean? It's the challenge, isn't it? See, we wonder why we're not in life. Maybe because we're not obeying. What are you saying? Are you saying you're God? No. Are you saying you're the representation of God? Yep. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Ooh, it sounds her heresy. No. But not on my own with an eldership, a group of people that God has elected and chosen to govern. In every relationship. So once again, if it starts here, it manifests itself everywhere. So my lack of submission under the eldership is a lack of submission here. Which will have a lack of submission in my marriage. Will have a lack of submission in my 12. See, here's the challenge. Can you love at a level because of your relationship, even when the not this guy, but this guy and the eldership might be getting it wrong. Can you be David? Because you have the heart of God and love a man called Saul even when he's trying to kill you because one, you've already died and two, there's a love in you that's greater than you. So what's in you is greater than what's in the world coming at you because of your one-on-one. -on -one. You talk about it again, coming back to the whole purpose of knowing God, because it will define how you outwalk every relationship. Now, I'm not saying if we ask you to do something morally wrong, do it. I'm saying if God says something, which we very rarely actually will say, there's so much freedom in this church, it's not funny. So much freedom to get it wrong, it's not funny. And so much freedom to get it right. You will not have law put on you conformity it'll be here's freedom but how responsible are you with your freedom will you hang yourself with it or will you come into an alignment from it and the difference between these those things are so close it's on a knife edge between true authority and false authority between control and protection it's a knife edge which means we must love one another and trust one another Ooh. My business is your business, Chris. Your business is mine. Yes, yes. Let's walk that out. My business is your business, Chris. Yours is mine. No way. I'm in control of my own life. Me and God. It's all I need. Me and God. That is so out of biblical truth. It's not funny. It's not the design of heaven. It's called a body, isn't it? God and his body. God and his bride, God and his sons, God and his nation. What part of that is God and Greg? 
the mind of man. Destruction. Okay, um, I'm just going to fly now. This is the power of his love operating in and through all, us all. Okay. So this is the power of his love operating in and through us all. Fourth role and responsibility for the husband is to love his wife as he loves his own body. So I won't read the scripture, it's in front of you. So that's the same sort of thing. I wanted to put it in there because it's the wording slightly different, to love his wife as he loves his own body. The fifth role for the responsibility of the husband is to leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. This is powerful. Same with, mom, uh, same with daughter too. Too many unhealthy relationships in the body of Christ, codependent relationships because either the mum or dad have created codependency so there's no leaving or the mother comes with. <laughs> so what are you doing here? Bugger off, you've got your own husband. Come and ruin my marriage. <laughs> Go away. Or the, husband, or the dad comes. Hey, I want to hang out with my son. Leave that woman behind. Leave. Leave. You see, in a biblical context, if we get this from the start, there's no issue. Because mum and dad have come through the same process because their mum and dad and their mum and dad and their mum and dad from the beginning of time have understand the end goal. See, if we understand the end goal, there is no issue in what happens in the entanglement of flesh. But because we don't understand the end goal, there's all this entanglement and all these codependent relationships where basically we need one another to exist. And so it creates what? Heartache. Unhealthy relationships. You know how many people I marry and the mums, it's like the mums want to get remarried. It's like they're telling the daughters and the son-in-law how the wedding's all going to go. Why? Just because you didn't get it sorted, don't put that. What is that? That's an unhealthy connection or the dad or the mums and their sons thing. Get out of it. But see, from the beginning, it never was supposed to be because the author has given sight to see the end. So every generational line is in life. I can't wait for our kids to leave. 18, you're gone. And you ain't coming back. Sort it out. No, that's the way of the Simnel home. You're gone. So we're building into now so that can be a reality. Stand on your own feet, man. Not this coming back, to and fro and living, sucking off mum. Now there are occasions, there are things. Hear what I'm saying. There are the odd times. But man, I'll tell you what. Come on, man. The kids of this generation... It's like, let's grow adults up, mature adults, not leaving, cleaving, sucking life out of one another. Grow a baby to an adult, not a baby that's here. Okay? So this is powerful stuff. The man is to come out from under his parents' spiritual covering and start himself to lead his wife into becoming one spiritually with Christ and one another. The man, the man shall leave his father and mother. Number one, the man. The man is to come out from under his spiritual covering and start himself to lead his wife 
into becoming one spiritually with Christ and one another. So once again, the woman is to have her own individual relationship with Christ, but there's a role that the man is to play in coming out, he leads. This is the pattern or the way for every family in Christ. This is the pattern or the way for every family in Christ. If we are the parents of sons, we need to be modeling this reality and teaching them. So we need to be teaching them their responsibilities of the same pattern if they are in a marriage or considering marriage. So as a father, I believe one of the most important things I can be teaching my daughters is their individual role if they are considering getting married physically and their role with their relationship with Christ. Preparing them, hopefully they will meet a man whose parents have done the same. So when they come together, they are not unequally yoked. They are bonded as one. And they will not start their marriages, if they choose to get married, looking for something from that man to find fulfillment that can only be found in God. So that's our responsibility as parents. What do you say? Bring them up in the ways of the Lord. Well, we need to know the ways of the Lord to teach the ways of the Lord, not the ways of the Simnels, the ways of the Lord. The ways of the Simnels must be the ways of the Lord. Write them on your doorposts. Put them on your hands, foreheads, hearts, wherever you can put it. Teach it. He has a way for every bit of life in the physical. If we are parents of daughters, we need to be modeling this reality and teaching them their responsibilities of the same pattern if they are considering marriage. Now, once again, I'm talking about physical marriage. We should be considering these ways with Christ because it's the same pattern. Yes? So... The pattern that they're taught with Christ is the pattern they bring into their physical marriages. The third role and responsibility for the woman. So here we go, guys, just slightly off the hook. Ladies, here's your third one, last one. To respect her husband. Verse 33 says, Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, guys, and the wife must see it that she respects her husband. Once again, I think this is a truth that has got lost. Ladies, this might sound crazy, but a man requires your respect more than he requires your love. Would you agree with that, guys? What do you feel more bad about if your wife or a female disrespects you or loves you? Which one do you get more angry about? If you're disrespected or not loved? Especially in public. God knows what he's talking about. He knows our design. And once again, I'm not saying, women, we don't love our husbands if Christ loves, but disrespect the man. You'll break him. Ladies, you can break men with the power of your words. Even though we're number one, in the ranking order, a lady can destroy a man with her words because if she disrespects him, if he's not strong enough on the inside, you can kill him. 
That's what the world's doing to men. It's bringing man down, isn't it? You think about everything you're looking at on TV. It's all about women being elevated and men being brought low. Hear what I'm saying. It's about equal but a one and a two order in God. Man is being emasculated. So in our notes, a wife who walks all over her husband has no respect for him. A wife who walks all over her husband has no respect for him. Women, do you want a guy that you can walk all over? Sometimes you think you do, though, eh? But ultimately you don't, do you? It's funny that, isn't it? The things we want, the things we need can be too different. I want to do this actually, but no, it's not working when you can walk all over you, the man. A woman who continually puts her husband down and picks out his faults has no respect for him. A woman who continually puts her husband down and picks out his faults has no respect for him. A woman who emasculates her husband has no respect for him. Emasculates, E-M-A-S-C-U-L-A-T-E-S. A woman who emasculates literally means to rip him apart. But here's the good news. A wife who respects her husband believes in him. A wife who respects her husband prays for him. A wife who respects her husband encourages and builds him up. A wife who respects her husband allows him to make mistakes. A wife who respects her husband lets him lead. Believes, prays, encourages, builds up, allows to make mistakes, allows him to lead. That's a woman who respects her husband. Only when both the husband and the wife, number one, grasp God's primary purpose for the marriage covenant. Only when both the husband and wife grasp God's primary purpose for the marriage covenant. What was the primary purpose for the marriage covenant? What was the number one reason God's put man with woman? Oneness, transformation. Yep. So when a man and a woman grasp the primary purpose for the marriage covenant, which is the same thing for God and the physical, and number two, know and understand know and understand their roles and responsibilities 
and live them out. Will they both experience the fullness of God's intent and purpose for their marriage, meaning their physical marriage? The two things that we need to have revelation on is the primary purpose for the marriage covenant. Why God puts a man and a woman together is the two become one and that being outworked and know and understand our roles and responsibilities within that covenant and live them out will we grasp and experience the fullness of the life of God's way. Now that is the perfect standard. That's what Danny and I are aiming for. That's what we're believing for. That's what we're hoping for. Are we perfect? No. Do we have arguments? Yes. Do we get things wrong? Yes. But, and and, are we seeking after it more? Yes. Are we seeking after him more? Yes. Are we dialing together? Yes. Am I discipling? Is she discipling me? Yes. Are we walking together? Yes. Are we raising our kids in this way? Yes. Why? Because of what we can see and what we're going after. And over a year and over years and over years, we're believing and hoping we're going to experience the fullness of God's intent for us as individuals, as as a couple, as as the church. Because once again, it's all the same thing. What I am individually, through my own love and surrender, I turn up. So every relationship, so if we all say yes and we all say amen and we all let go of ourselves, then what's possible for us individually, in our marriages, in our families, as the family of God? Oneness, life, vitality, more than conquerors, overcomers. I build my church and the flesh and the enemy doesn't touch it. Powerful. So Father, I just want to thank you for your word. And as we just discussed your word in, over the last 15 minutes, Father, I just pray you would draw to light the most important thing you want drawn out of our hearts. I thank you, God, that you love us. You love us and your intent is perfection. Your intent is we would experience the fullness of your life that's available and that we would grow and mature in you. So, Father, as we do this with you and with one another, both and more, Lord, I thank you that your spirit will teach us and reveal in us your word that does this work of transformation. We ask this, we surrender to it in Jesus' name. Amen.